this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. This call is being recorded. Good evening, family. Father God, we come to you mm-hmm. humble before the throne. We thank We're thanking you not just for today, but for this week, for this moment, for this hour, and for the second. We pray, Father God, that you come into this holy temple and anoint everyone that's on this call. Touch the pastor, edify her for the teaching of Bible study tonight that we all participate. Bless you, Brother Michael, for joining us once again, gracing us with your presence on a Friday evening. Father God, we thank you for watching over our loved ones, our family, our friends, and those that are sick and shut in. Heavenly Father, we we just thank you beyond thanking you, and we just forever give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, that was the baby. Michael? I don't know. No, uh, Chelsea. Uh, Gibson. Sorry. No, that was Gibson. Oh. Gibson? Oh. Mm-hmm. Super cutie said amen. <laughs> He's sitting right next to me. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to be quiet now. Okay. Okay, so let's talk, you guys. And before we get to the scripture, I want to talk. You know, so the 12 disciples were sent out two by two. The 12 disciples were sent out two by two. And then sending them out two by two. Do you guys know they they were equipped with everything they needed? And if so, what did they have? Well, they were told not to take anything with them, so. Just their shoes and a blanket. Just their clothes. Not two. They had the power of God. Yeah, the power and authority, right? Uh-huh. What else? What else, you guys? When they were sent out two by two, what did they have? Each other. <laughs> okay, what did they have? They had the most powerful person. What were they lacking? What was they lacking? Why wasn't they lacking anything? Because they were nourished. Those who they served. They were walking in their authority and who they were. Hmm. You guys believe that? They were scared. How long had they been with Jesus? You guys got an idea? Not a long time. So were they walking in their authority? Did they have everything they need? Was it 
Were they fully equipped with everything they had? They were, but they didn't believe it. They doubted mm-hmm. sometimes. They didn't he hadn't told them yet. Mm. Now take that back to you. Do you have everything you need? Are you walking in authority? Are you lacking anything? <laughs> We're not lacking anything, but we let the world convince us that we are. Mm-hmm. We let people convince us that we are, or because of comparison. We let everything that we are when we're not. But what's so funny about this particular uh, portion of the scripture, they're sent out with total dependency on God. And we're sent out with total dependency upon God, but we forget that we're supposed to be totally dependent upon God. And so we, in return, feel like there's a lack every time we go out. We feel like we don't have everything that is necessary for us to be able to do the work of God. And so we are in that position to whereby we're looking at God telling them, don't take anything with them, don't do anything. But he was teaching them to totally rely upon the Father just as he was the example of how he totally relied on the Father. And God is trying to get us at this particular point to totally rely upon him. And then he began to ask me the question of what type of man did he call? What type of man did he call you guys? Sinners, people who have done, not everybody was good. Um, Regular people, imperfect people. People like us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you guys stop and you really begin to look at the type of people he calls, you can actually see yourself in the type of people. And so he says in the word that greater work should you do. But we don't believe that we can do greater works. And so I really want to make sure that you guys stop. Because I want you guys, for those of you guys who were at the church when this particular woman, elderly black woman, came in, and I call her elderly because uh, she probably was younger than me, but because of the hardness of her life, it looked like she was much older. And as I began to look upon her, when I first walked up to her, I can tell there was something on her, and I immediately pulled back. And I put the one that was fasted in front of him, in front of her, because I felt like I wasn't fully equipped to do it. And the Lord literally said to me, uh, when I walked away from it, he said, it has nothing to do with, you know, uh, anything that you may be contending with. It has totally dependent on him. He said, I just want you to be totally dependent on me. You know, a lot of times we feel like we got to get in order. We haven't been fasting that day. We have not been in right position or right condition or whatever the case may be. And when we run into situations as such, we find ourselves in that particular position to whereby you're like, I ain't dealing with that demon. That demon ain't going to beat me up, you know. And so we begin 
we begin to analyze what's on the inside of me. And so then I walked away and pulled to the side because I really wanted to understand what I was looking at. And as I walked away and pulled to the side, the Holy Spirit literally said to me, and I'll say the way he said it, I'll tell him, ask him to repeat himself. He said, you're so busy looking at the circumstances around you that you don't focus in on the things in which I'm really doing. He said, you look to stand in perfect positions, but I'm looking for the one that doesn't stand. He said, you question me, but I really just want you to trust me. He said, you overthink things. And he says, and even as you overthink, you make excuses for the things in which are before you. As if I don't know your situation. He said, I didn't call you for your looks, nor for your wisdom. He said, but I called you because of the fact I know what you're lacking. And because I know you're lacking these things, that you would depend upon me for the things that you are lacking in. He said, do you not see? He said, if you ever stop to really read into the scriptures, you could clearly see that the ones that I chose to go forward as forerunners, they did not have the wisdom or the knowledge to stand. He said, but yet they believed. He said, and you have the same thing in common. You believe. Because then that's all I need from you. He says, I never asked you to know the Bible through and through. He says, and I never asked you to be prayed up and fasted every day. He said, but what I continue to ask each of you is to trust me. He said, there's times where I repeat this over and over and over to you to trust me. He said, and yet you still are afraid. He said, do not you see that if you would be honest in your stand and stop deflecting and allow you to surrender the areas where you're deflecting, to me, I can basically remove the hindrance? You guys understand that, right? Yeah. So it's like somebody saying, uh, they're they're afraid or they're lacking something, and they'll turn around and beat you up with whatever they're lacking. 
they turn around and they say, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do this or this is not happening or I don't have this and I don't have that. They talk about all the things that they don't have. They don't look at the things they do have. They don't look at the things that can be. They look at the things that are not. And so that the Lord literally calls that where somebody deflects. They're looking to really get you to leave them alone. <laughs> we all do that, right? We all do that, right? We literally push it to like if somebody's really bothering uh, us and we don't want to do something, we deflect. And we push the person away because we're really saying, I don't feel comfortable. But we won't tell you we don't feel comfortable. We will deflect. And so we will point you in a way to whereby we are get you to totally look at look at yourself. And what you're literally saying is get away from me in the nicest way. But you're not really saying, I don't have the faith and the wisdom to carry it through. Can you help me? And many of us are afraid to ask for help. Because help means that we have to be submissive and we have to let down our guard, and that's the hardest thing ever. But the Lord has literally wanted to bring this message about the dependency upon him. How do we depend upon him? What do we depend? We depend on these things that are false, comfort. And God is literally looking to have you to surrender the things that you're holding on to you, that you're holding on to as comfort and literally get into the uncomfortable places and let him move. You know, as you're in the most uncomfortable places, so imagine this. So Jesus tells the 12, I'm going to send you two by two. And then what did he tell them? He told them they're going to cast out demons. They're going to do this. They're going to heal the blind. They're going to heal this. Imagine being on the other side as the disciples are hearing this from Jesus. Okay? And they seen all the stuff that he was doing, and I I guarantee you when they seen some of the stuff that was coming out of Mary Magdalene, and they're like, I, I, I can't do that. Or even the man at the tomb, you have to understand, they're being told that they got to go out and do these things. How do you think they feel about it? Are they jumping up and down? Whoa, it's our turn now. Do they? Do you see them saying, "Whoa, it's our turn now"? Heck no. <laughs> or, or are they just like you guys? If you guys could see Paul's face, he's got this look on his face, like, Woo. "Okay." And many of us have this look, like, "Whoop." You're required to go out and preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And so let's go in and look at the message, right? Let's go into Matthew 10. Precious. Okay. I'm on the phone. Um, where do you want me to start at the top? Yes. Where he's sending the disciples out right before, where he's preparing them to go out. 
I'll just start at the top. <laughs> um, the title of this is Matthew 12, the sending of the 12. Um, 12 disciples chosen and commissioned. The 12 disciples are listed. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labias, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. When he had called his 12 disciples to him, the main feature of this list is its diversity. Jesus chose his disciples from a variety of backgrounds and life experiences. Oh, did you guys hear that? <clears throat> Let me stop right there. For a variety of backgrounds and life experiences. So he, you've been chosen because of your life experiences. And your life experiences may not have been good. That's why he chose you. He didn't choose you because you had a good experience. He chose you because your life experience, because he knows that your life experience will deliver. Don't you guys get it? Your life experience delivers others from the depths of darkness. And your background, where you came from. Hear me? Where you came from. That's why he mm -hmm. chose you, too, based on where you came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys see that, right? Go a little bit further, Precious. Sure. <clears throat> Jesus chose his disciples from a variety of backgrounds and life experiences. About all they had in common was it seems that none of them were privileged or from backgrounds of high status. None of them was privileged? Mm. Or what? Of high status. Okay. So he didn't go to the privileged or the high status. He chose you because of your background and where you came from. And what you would represent to the kingdom. Mm. And I think that's what we forget because we try to become somebody else in the kingdom and we have to remember why we've been chosen. Mm. And we have to understand that he's not trying to remove the things that are in our life. He's trying to get us to begin to be free of them so that we can teach others how to be free. That doesn't mean in some situations that these things will stay in our lives because mm -hmm. some things will remain, but you will be free of them and know how to operate even with these things in our lives. Amen. And so if you see it from a different way, 
then you'll understand that you've been chosen, you've been called, and so you will not sit back and hold off on what he's basically trying to bring uh, to, to you so that you can get to others. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, you have been called by your Lord to represent the kingdom. And, and, it's, and, and you're representing the kingdom because of your past, where you come from, mm. what you have experienced in life. This is why he's calling you. Say it louder. We, we 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 share in common, but we all speak a different language of our journey, of our background, that allow us to reach others uh-huh. individually. Wow. Wow. Because when you stop to see what he's saying and really understand, <clears throat> that's why he's looking for you to be dependent upon him. Uh-huh. Not because of the fact that, oh, gosh, you're trying to offload the stuff. And I think this is where sometimes we get to the point to whereby we don't see what he's really saying to us because many of us are trying to become other people. Like, let me get rid of this so I can be better. Let me get rid of this so I can be better. He's not looking for you to get rid of things. He's looking for you to understand <coughs> that these things no longer hold you captive. Mm-hmm. And you can speak freely in these particular areas because you are no longer held captive by these things. Amen. But the problem is we don't release them because we feel, feel like they're too difficult to release. He's just literally saying, understand why these things exist in your life so that I can begin to navigate through you to bring others through. <laughs> If I'd never been healed of something, I would never be able to preach healing. I've been healed of many things by my Lord, so I have the ability to preach healing. Of course. Let's say it loud. We have to stop trying to see things and understand things. Yeah. What? Say it louder. Well, in, in contrast, what I what I said, and then I'll, I'll elaborate. We need to stop trying. We need we need to stop trying to see faith and understand our faith, understand our relationship with Father God and and what He has predestined for us, and to tie it in with Scripture. We share that common, but our journey gives us a different language that we communicate to those to bring them to Christ. Holy Spirit said to me to say to you, secrets hold power. Uh He said, your secrets hold power. Your secrets hold freedom. 
Yeah, those are the treasures. Oh, he's stepping back now. Say what? No, I was saying I was making a joke. Like you were like, no, I think I'm think I'm about done sharing. Yeah. That's what brings people to a place of freedom. Yeah. And then he says, by you holding them and not willing to release them, then therefore others can't be set free. Those are the true treasures. <laughs> yeah. But, but imagine you see these people standing on the street that literally says, for sinners shall die. Do you hear me? They hold these signs out where they pull out something detrimental in the Bible and they literally hold the sign. But imagine you standing on the side of them and literally holding the sign and saying, I am a child of God and these things he doesn't hold against me. Mm-hmm. Your secrets hold power. He said they are the key to the freedom in many people's lives. Hallelujah. There are no embarrassing stories. He said, but you refuse Mm -hmm. to allow me to unleash them in you. That makes sense, you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I share something, Pastor? Of course. It's just the Lord literally reminded me, he put a, a picture of me, or I should say a timestamp of when I did just that. And I had to laugh. I was like, ooh, that wasn't one of the most embarrassing stories in my entire existence on this earth. He, <laughs> um, <laughs> he reminded me of when I stood up in Bible study, a.k.a. the old day Simi Valley. And and the Lord told you to stand up at this. I stood next to you. This was the pack days. Y'all know y'all remember that the pack days when we stayed there until everybody fell asleep. And I stood there and I told and the Lord was telling me to share times in my life when I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing with men. And he had me explain my relationship I was that I was in at that time, things I did from things I did when I um were was involved with women. Mind you, I'm telling this in front of everybody. I was so shook and I was embarrassed and I was ashamed of saying this, right? And I thought everybody was going to judge me and like look at me different. And then after I gave that message, because I gave so much pressure, I was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> so I stopped. And then pretty much everybody came up to me. But one of the people that the Lord reminded me that came up to me was Renata. She came up to me, not Renata, but Renata Smith. She came up to me and she expressed how I freed her from expressing the things that I had went through that she was ashamed to talk about in her life. And that that was going to help her be able to share her testimony and, and help other women. So that just, the Lord just reminded me, I just wanted to share that. It's powerful when we do share the things that we're ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But imagine you. if you use the power you have. This is mm-hmm. why he told you. So if you go back to the beginning, what type of people did he call? People like us. A variety of backgrounds and life experiences. Diverse group. Okay, did you get that? Life experiences. We're here because of 
our variety of backgrounds in our life experiences, and that's what we keep forgetting. Mm-hmm. We forget why we were called is because of what we represented to the body. We forget where we came from. The wild BC days. And we're so busy trying wow. to offer these things that we forget that these things are valuable to him. This mm-hmm. is gold. All of us have precious gold and we're trying to get rid of it. Yeah. He is the God of the loving, forgiving. Exactly. Wonderful. Merciful. Merciful. Okay. What did what did the kids say? Wait, Takia, don't laugh yet. What did you say? She said forgiving, forgiving, loving. I'm sorry, I didn't laugh at the moment. I was like, wait, don't laugh yet, because I know you got to laugh. And I was about to laugh, but I was saying it reveals that God is such a merciful, loving, forgiving God, and mm-hmm. he doesn't want you to die. He actually wants you to live. Yeah. You know? So when we share these things, it reveals that about God. Mm-hmm, but for sure. I see that, you know, the relationship is love-based and not sin-based. Mm-hmm. And, and many Hallelujah. people make the relationship sin-based and not love-based. Yeah, And so if we can get that to people, then they can truly see the freedom. But everybody under that same understanding, umbrella, which is a false umbrella, is sin-based, and it's not. Mm. You know, we, uh, God is teaching and has been teaching us that recently, it's, don't come to me talking about your sin. Come to me talking about kingdom. Come mm-hmm. to me in a fashion that you're yes. presenting the kingdom that you want to know what you do in the kingdom mm-hmm. and what's going on in the kingdom rather than in that place where you're saying, oh, God, I sinned again. Oh, God, I did this. Oh, God, I did that. And that's all we have been looking at for so many years that God is saying, hey, I need to course correct. I need to get you over here so that you can see that the things that you struggle with are valuable to me. So don't try to you know, offload them. Mm-hmm. Let's learn how to live through, in them and share them out with others. Mm-hmm. Amen. He said, then he just said to me, you overcome by the testimonies of your faith. These are mm. the testimonies that this is why I believe in him. I shall live and not die because there's been many times I should have been condemned, but he hasn't condemned me. And because he hasn't condemned me, I mm. still live this day in his Hallelujah. Okay, wait, you laughing again. What did you say? <laughs> Because I know you start going in person. I gotta start going in person on Fridays. So I can hear all the jokes. We gotta do Zoom. We gotta do Zoom. Hallelujah, because God is good. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because He's not fault finders. We are humans. Are yes. fault finders? Fault finders. We look for something oh, yeah. wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And because we're trying to make ourselves perfect. And if we would stop trying to make ourselves perfect, we would stop being fault finders. 
and understand he accepts us as we are. Amen. Precious, you want to take us a little bit further? Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is very much in the spirit of 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. He gave them power over unclean spirits. So now you've got these disciples <laughs> who, who got these problems, and then he's given them power over it. Do you guys see that? So now mm -hmm. they got power over the stuff that was content, they were contending with. Mm. Keep going. To cast them out. And to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Jesus did not only call the 12, he also gave them power to do what he had called them to do. Oh the my same... God. Mm -hmm. Did you hear what he said? He didn't just call them, but then he gave them the same power he rested in. Mm -hmm. And so we have the same power Thank you, Jesus. that he rested in. <laughs> so you say, Lord, grace. at this particular time, help my unbelief mm -hmm. so that I may see that I have the same power. Because the key here, he gave all of us the same thing. And he didn't pick, like, oh, no, you came from this neighborhood, so you don't get this. Or you came from this region, you don't get that. Or you got this going on on the inside of you, you don't get that. That's us that's doing that. Mm. We are doing it to ourselves. Because we're still trying to have a standard of excellence and we will never have it. Mm. He didn't make us perfect. He is perfect. Hallelujah. Well, the way he said it, he says, I made you to feel, I made you to think, and I created you to love one another. And he says, and I never created you to be perfect. And then he said, and if you were perfect, you wouldn't need me. Mm -hmm. He says, I created you out of love. And so that what I'm saying is, I love you despite what you look like. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you guys get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. If we were per if we were perfect, he wouldn't have had to even die on the cross for us. You say he didn't come to save the the ones who were already saved, but the ones who weren't. So mm -hmm. that too. Okay, precious. You want to go a little bit further? 
Mm -hmm. The same principle holds true today. Whom God calls, God equips. The equipping may not be completely evident before the ministry begins, but it will be evident along the way. Read that again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. The same principle holds true today. Whom God calls, God equips. The equipping may not be. Mm -hmm. Who God calls, God equips. So if he called you, he equipped you with what is needed. So if he called you, you he's equipping you with what's needed. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. But what I love about the uh, the part of equipping you, he's not going to pour everything on you at the same time. But you have everything in you that you need. Hopefully, I said I said that in a way you can understand it. He's mm -hmm. not going to pour everything on you at the same time, but everything that you need, he equipped you with. So he wants you to say, "Oh, I just discovered that. Oh my God, I can do that." Because he knows that that's going to give him glory. You say, oh, this happened, that's going to give him uh, glory. So he literally wants you to access the things that he's giving you. And then as you access it, you're so overwhelmed by it that you tell somebody else about it. I didn't even know I could do that. I didn't even know I could cast that out. I didn't even know that that, that was something I had power over. Mm -hmm. That's the way he gets the glory in you. <laughs> Finding this stuff that's on the inside of you because you got all these treasures as a, uh, as a result of all the stuff you've been through. So for everything you've been through, you got treasures for. When you when you say that, Pastor, and I understand that individually, what does that look like generationally? When we say that you know there's generational curses, and then generations keep going through the same thing before that curse is broken, for example. But but in that, he's equipped you on the inside with the wisdom to break that curse. Okay. But the problem here is when we see something. Number one, we try to fix it. <laughs> oh, awesome. Holy Spirit is so awesome. He showed me, like, when we see something, like, it's a spider on me. It's a spider on me. The first mm -hmm. thing we see is it's a spider on us. What do we do? Get it off of me. Get it off of me. And that's what we do with when we become aware of shortfalls. We're so quick to try to get it off of us instead of saying, hey, Jesus, what is, why is this existing? And how do I navigate in this to get bring glory to your kingdom? <laughs> get it? Yeah. Because we're so quick to say, oh, my God, there's a spider. 
That was a great analogy he just gave me. <laughs> he popped mm-hmm. in. So I can see me like looking the spider off. Or even sometimes when we other we see others with something on them, a bug or something, we want to knock it off, but we don't realize that that exists because God wants to get the glory. Oh my God! Oh, we got that one too. So instead yes. of us trying to knock something out of somebody, you know, it's our job to say, Lord, how are you going to get the glory? How do I help them to get the, gain the glory in this particular area? Praise God. Mm-hmm. Amen. All of it. Mm-hmm. All of it. <laughs> the Lord used a, a analogy with me. He literally said, Well, he will cause a man to go to prison even when he's not guilty. But in that prison, he still finds freedom in the place in which he is in because he doesn't see the place as a place of embondment. He says, so therefore, he's able to free men because he doesn't see prison as we see prison. Because wow. he recognized within his own self that he's free. Exactly. That's crazy. He wow. freedom. Not crazy, but wow. <laughs> and not no, just, just, just that with him, he did it also with who? Joseph. He yeah, put him exactly. in prison as well, and in that place, it was a place of freedom. Because if it's he saved whole everybody in there. Oh, nation. Yeah. Wow. And Joseph was there for a long time. A long time. <laughs> But even with some of the disciples who were standing preaching the gospel, what did they do? They got imprisoned too. And so Mm -hmm. even in that place of imprisonment, Peter, we can truly see to whereby he's let out of jail. So you have to look at the things that constantly went on because they understood that it wasn't about what they were dealing with. It was about the kingdom on the inside of them. Mm -hmm. They possess something greater. And because they possess something that's so great, they will focus in on what they possess, not on the things that was temporary. And that's where we lose sight of what we possess. We can't hear. Say it louder. Paul was arrested too, wasn't he? And then he went to Rome and was crucified later upside down at his own request. And Paul was the one who was murdering Christians. Now that's a tough one to swallow. Wow. Even though they were being murdered by him, they understood that this world wasn't their home. And so there wasn't, even though people ran from home, 
they got to a place to whereby they understood that what they believed in, they were willing to die for. And we have to get to that place where what we believe in, we are willing to die for. And the Lord literally saying, die to the things that hold you captive. And recognize that these things really represent freedom in him. <laughs> Lord, you can use this. Lord, you can use that. This does not produce the sting in me that it used to produce. So I release this to you to use. You have some things in you that will really cause the kingdom to advance. And God is literally saying, can you no longer hold your treasures, but allow me to use these treasures to free others? And you don't call them treasures. You call them thorns in the side, in your side. Like, I ain't showing nobody that thorn. <laughs> Say that louder. This is the junk closet. Close that closet. Nobody wants to see that. That's the pile of clothes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but you see what he's saying. So let's take it a little bit further. Oh, that's um the equipping may not be completely evident before the ministry begins, but it will be evident along the way. Did you guys hear that? So the, so what God equipped us with is not going to be evident up front. So what you have and you possess is not going to be something that just says, oh, here you go. It's as you release some of these negative things over to him, he's going to say, tell this person that you did this. Tell this person that you used to do this. Tell this person that these are some of the things that you came out of. Because as I used to share these things with people, he literally said, oh, did that make you free? And then I would see people saying, girl, you telling somebody you did that? It, it was like having a conversation with Cinnamon, you know, uh, uh, today on the drive home, I mean, uh, yesterday on the drive home, and she said, mom, I just literally look at you as perfect, like you never did this. I'm like, girl, a, a, a woman understands another woman's whole days when they've been there, okay? And so I can understand your whole days because I've been there. And she was like, mom? And I was like, yeah. So I understand when a guy is pulling a wall over your head because I, I had that same wall pulled over me. And so I literally said to her, Hey, and she was like, I didn't know this. I said, because you never asked me to share. I said, I was telling you stuff because of the fact that I know what I was looking at. I'm not telling you stuff because I don't know what I'm looking at. I've been down your road. And then she's like, well, that's the person I want to talk to me all the time. And then I said, no, you need Jesus. <laughs> Because Jesus is going to deliver you to it. (laughs) She's like, I need somebody that can come alongside and understand where I'm at. And I said, no, you need Jesus who's going to deliver you from where you're at. (laughs) 
<laughs> but a lot of times people want to identify with people who've been through stuff. And if they can't identify with you, who can they identify with? Because everybody else holds a sign that says, repent, are you going to hell? That's why the Lord says that we have to treat people with love, not with just judgment. Exactly. Let's go further, Precious. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. These 12, excepting Judas, of course, have an important place in God's plan of redemption, including some particular role in the future judgment and in the founding of the church. The Bible promises that their position and work will be remembered throughout eternity. This is the Did first. Did you hear that? Hear that? That their works would be what? The Bible promises that their position and work will be remembered throughout eternity. So he's literally saying that. What they are required to do will be remembered throughout eternity because you're paving the way for Jesus to come. You're the forerunner. You're the one that's running ahead so that others can basically come into the kingdom. And so many times we're in that position to whereby we don't see that our positions are paving the way for others to come in. Does that make sense? So what I'm doing helps somebody else. And you don't know where somebody down the road is going to be saying, hey, this person said this, or I heard this person say that. It's still mm -hmm. paving the way for others. Yes. And, and, and as you pave the way for others to come in, then their testimony paves the way for the next generation. And it just keeps going on. So it's yes. remembered for a lifetime, in a lifetime. And so on, he said. Yes, it's a domino effect. Which is correct. Let's go further. This is the first and only time in Matthew that the 12 are called apostles. The word apostle literally means one who is sent out. It is the word for an envoy or an ambassador called here for the first. I want to make sure that you understand. So he's talking about apostles. These are individuals that were sent out. They are ambassadors for Christ. And God is literally calling you in this same particular space as an ambassador of his. He's Amen. sending us out and we are ambassadors of his to share forth the good news and that is freedom from sin. And then he says, and as you share, even more will be given to you.
he said some of you started off with backpacks and now you have trucks. <laughs> and so if you look at it like now, when they're coming to you, they have so many things that they have access to that you behind you in the spirit realm, there's a truck. Huh? And and you have goods for everybody within the region that he sends you to. He said, but some still have backpacks because they don't see what they have is valuable. And then he said, say this to yourself. My sin is valuable. My wow. past is valuable. My sin is valuable. My, my life is valuable. My, my past is valuable. Thank you, Jesus. My life is valuable. My life is valuable. For it frees others. For it frees others. For it frees others. That's what I can do in the beginning. So when, you, when I first met you, all you did was give me testimony, and I was taking it to my sister. And I was just reminded, like, that's what happened in the beginning. All Pastor did was just give me testimonies of things that the Lord delivered her from or from family from, and I was just taking them to my sister without yes. even knowing what I was doing, but they were so good. Instead of me free, I'm like, everybody needs to get free. <laughs> <laughs> and I showed up to church with you a week or a week later. Huh? I said, and I showed up to church with you, what, a, a week later? Because I, I, I was so like blown away by what you was telling me. I'm like, oh, that really happens? I'm like, I need to come to the church and see this. Right. Exactly. And we came. And me, the, the crazy part about that is that me and Kia, before those conversations, we were not getting along. No. We, we were both going through breakups. We were not getting along. And we just sat down one day to, to hash out the issues we were going through. And she started talking to me about this woman she met at work. And I was like, wait a minute. Is she telling this about you? <laughs> She's telling this about your life? Okay, I need to come to church. Like, so we got to go to church. And literally that next Sunday, I came with her. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it was all the stuff I do wrong. It's all the stuff that I do wrong, and he still loves me. Amen. He still holds on to me and still calls me his prized possession. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. How can I be this when I'm a screwed up in this? And how can I be this because I'm a did this? And then I, I am, oh gosh, I, I, I said, Lord, I am a hypochondriac, okay? And, and I don't mean to be, you know, because, you know, what, since I've watched The Chosen, I just see Matthew being me all the time. <laughs> 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 I always find some wrong within my vessel. Do you hear what I'm saying? I can mm. always find something wrong within my vessel. Mm. And I'm always trying to put a remedy for it myself. And the Lord constantly tells me something other than what I'm trying to do to save me. <laughs> you know, it was just like this morning. I said, Lord, I got these tingles going throughout my body, these needles, and then I look it up on the internet, and it says this and that, uh -uh. and then in my mind, yep. I'm having these little yep. issues, and then I have oh gotten so God. paranoid. Hear what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying? I have gotten so paranoid that I can make the tingles come. 
I'm like, well, yes. I'm filling my arm now. I'm filling up my side. I'm telling you. And the Lord had to literally say to me, listen to what I'm saying. He literally had to say to me, peace be still. Wow. But imagine oh there's somebody out there that's going through what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. There's somebody that I can speak into their life and say, okay, peace be still. And when you hear peace be still, everything on the inside of you stops. And all that chaos just stops. Uh, uh, uh. I'm sitting up here saying, as I said it again, I'm over here moving my body around. I can't find nothing. And, and, and it's because we we overanalyze, overthink, and we look at these things as if they're killing us. And they are not killing us. They are really victory. Uh-huh. They are considered to be places of victory in the kingdom for us. But oftentimes we want to suppress these things and tuck them away, you know, never to be seen again. And God is telling us we need to let all these things be seen and be shown and shared, you know. But the thing, hold on, we misinterpret the Bible because yeah. many of us have interpreted the, uh, the Bible in the wrong way. Because when somebody falls short in a particular area, it says, have the person sit down. It never said to dismiss and to consider them as an outcast. Man has chosen to do that because we have a problem forgiving. But we're not realizing that we all fall short of the glory. Amen. There's Amen. nobody perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even in that, God gives right counseling to whereby you come together and you help that person through it. But instead, we have looked at the body and literally caused greater pain and sorrow because we want to kick them out, we want to do this to them, we want to do that, and we put them in a greater position to continue to fall short. Then the Lord literally said, I'm not exposing you. I'm not kicking you out. But yet you want to do this to your brother. Amen. I don't know why, but he said, this is why you haven't grown. Because you haven't learned to forgive. But imagine somebody coming from the outside inside and said, oh, my God, I did all this stuff. Did you guys love me? (laughs) You know, I was one day talking to Paul, and Paul was talking about something, and I said, you just don't know what's in this room. Because he he was holding something back, and he was literally saying this or that. I don't remember what we were talking about, 
but it was some point whereby he was like he didn't want to reveal something. And I said, if you only knew what was in the room, if you knew what was in the church, you would probably see that there was no need to hold anything back because nobody would judge you because we've all been there. Amen. We've you know, all been this... some places. Mm-hmm. Isn't it sometimes like a lot of times we don't even want to say because we're afraid that we're going to be judged. But in the same way, like when we when we talk to people, it doesn't matter. Even if you touch one of those persons with your testimony, and everybody else judges you, that's on them, you know, because that one that's... person is the person that the Lord wanted to receive it, you know. Mm. And a lot of times we're afraid to talk about it or say it because we think that it's gonna, um, you know, we're gonna be punished or judged for it, but. In the long run, we're going to touch that, even if it's that one person. That's what that was meant for. i tell you guys about a funny story. Somebody close to me, I was talking to them one day, and I was sharing all the things that I did as a young kid, and I was talking about delivering drugs for my brother. And the person said, I knew, I knew, I knew you were. I knew you were Ghetto Street. And I was like, huh? You know, I just knew you was a hood rat or whatever you oh, wow. and, 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 and I just stopped and I, and I just stopped and I just stared at the person and I said, No, 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 no way. Okay, like no 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 way. And the person literally was like, I knew you were cool for a reason. You know, I knew I could talk to you about anything for a reason. And then I had to stop because I knew that that was their connection to God. And then I said, I guess I'm a hood rat. I guess I'm whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you, God, for, oh, Lord. I'll never forget it, because I was like, no, 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 I'm laughing because I'm, man, listen, not because what you're saying, because I know my walk. That's why I'm like, shh. That's why I'm laughing, because I'm like, Lord. I know my walk. I know where I'm in. We put this stuff away, and we need to not be putting this stuff away, because embarrassment and shame and all that stuff wants oh, to yeah. keep us, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. I walked away and I, I, I just couldn't help but to say, I guess I am. <laughs> but wink, wink. I really get it. <laughs> and, and, and all I can do is laugh. It's like, we knew you were there. And then the other person said, we knew you that. We can tell your background. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so all you could do is laugh. Yeah. But it brought freedom. And I didn't realize what I was saying brought freedom. 
Also, literally means one who is sent out. It is the word for an envoy or an ambassador. Called here for the first and last time, apostle at once to the immediate minor mission and to the later great one. The word apostle can mean mere messenger, as in John 13, 16, referring to he who is sent. Jesus is called an apostle in Hebrews 3.1. Consider the apostle high priest of our confession. Paul sometimes used in the sense of messengers or representatives, as in 2 Corinthians 8.23. They are messengers or apostles of the churches, possibly also in Romans 16.7. Yet Paul also used the term in a more narrow sense, referring to the 12 and himself by special dispensation. Um, There are four different lists of the 12 in the New Testament. In these lists, Peter is always listed first and Judas is always last. The two pairs of brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, are always listed first. 
in the list, they are arranged in a way that suggests that they were arranged in three groups of four, each with a leader. In each list, Peter is first mentioned, followed by Andrew, James, and John. In each list, Philip is fifth mentioned, followed by Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew. In each list, James, the son of Alphaeus, is ninth mentioned, followed by Thaddeus, Judas, brother of James, Simon the Zealot, and Judas. The apostolic number, fifthly, re represents the 12 tribes of Israel. And for practical purposes, the 12 form a workable band of leaders, a sufficient jury, and a competent company of witnesses. Bartholomew is often identified with Nathaniel. Many are of opinion that this was Nathaniel, whose name was probably Nathaniel Bar Talami. Nathaniel, the son of Talmai, here is known. Here his own name is repressed, and he is called Bar Talmai or Bartholomew from his father. Bartholomew is never mentioned without an and. He was a kind of man to work with other people. We must not understand by Canaanite a, a pagan, for Christ sent out none but Jews but one of Cana. Iscariot is usually thought to mean man of Cariath, a city in southern Judea, but has also been explained as meaning traitor, assassin, carrier of the leather bag, or redhead. They are called disciples and apostles. It is worthy of notice that those who were Christ's apostles were first his disciples to intimate that men must first be taught of God before they be sent of God. Where they are to go unto Israel, the Jewish people only. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let me stop you for a moment because I want to point out something. And so you literally said, and correct me if I heard it incorrect, you said that these men had to be taught of God before being sent out. Mm -hmm. and, yes, that's and, correct. And so they had to have some form of wisdom in order to go out. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord is literally saying to you guys that you have the wisdom to be sent out. Hallelujah. Yes. And so you've been taught by him, and now you are being sent by him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep going. Oh. Um. These 12 Jesus sent out, Jesus was touring around the region of Galilee, teaching, preaching, and helping needy people with miraculous power. The sending of these 12 was a conscious expanding of that work. Now, the work of Jesus was being done by many more than simply Jesus himself and commanded them. The word which is used in the Greek for Jesus commanding his men 
or giving them orders is interesting and illuminating. It is the word, oh boy, paragillion. This word in Greek has four special usages. It is the regular word of military command. It is the word used of calling one's friends to one's help. It is the word which is used of a teacher giving rules and precepts to his students. It is the word which is regularly used for an imperial command. Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. This is pattern of the gospel. It is for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Later, the gospel would go to both the Samaritans and the Gentiles, but it had to begin with the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That Jesus felt it necessary to mention the Samaritans at all presopus. The disciples happy in exercise of their ability to perform miracles might have been tempted to evangelize the Samaritans because they remember Jesus' success there. The emphasis of the saying lies not primarily on the prohibition of a wider mission, but on the priority of the mission to Israel. I need to stop you right there. And the only reason why I'm stopping you because I have to pull out something the Holy Spirit just said. In, in this particular place, it was easier to go to the Samaritans because they were easy to turn from their sin. And a lot of times we go to people that are easy to turn from their sin. But God is looking for us to go to the true lost in order that they may hear the gospel. But many yes. of us want to come to places of comfort. And so he's literally saying that the Samaritans are easy individuals to go come into a place of Jesus. But he did not say that for the Jews, and he did not say that for the Greek, and he did not say that for the Gentiles. He only said give, for the Samaritans. Can you give a modern-day example of what that would look like as far as and a Samaritan of this age, like, oh, it's easy to free them versus somebody else. Hold up, let me ask, what does that look like in today's environment, Lord? Oh, he said the way that looks today is churches that are full of people who are not eating the word. Hmm. Okay, people who are not truly getting revelation and getting food that is nourishing to their souls. So it's easy to preach to somebody that they believe that they're already a Christian. Mm. He said, for they sit in comfort. And so it's easier to help somebody that sits in comfort. Because you can say little things and they come out of comfort for a little while, but then they still go back to comfort. They're the ones, the Holy Spirit just says, I know, I know, I'm going to get there, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully that helps. No, that does. That same saying, they feed, but they don't get fed. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. God's intention was to reach the whole world, but beginning with Israel, there was certainly enough work to do among the lost sheep of the house of Israel to keep the 12 busy until God directly commanded them to expand their ministry. Significantly, Jesus still called the, the Jewish people the house of Israel. Even though they had lost their Jewish state many decades before this time, God still saw them as Israel, even when there was not a political entity known as Israel. Who were the lost sheep of Israel? In a sense, all of them were. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Yet, in another sense, there were also lost sheep that were abused and neglected by their spiritual shepherds, the scribes, priests, and Pharisees. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. Because so many were spiritually neglected, Jesus sent these apostles out. The beginnings of the mission to the neglected lost sheep of Israel may be found in the Capernaum feast. As time went on, Jesus felt increasingly the pressure of the problem and the need for extended effort. Did you guys hear that? So he feels the pressure. So he's literally bringing this to our attention because he still mm -hmm. sees the pressure of the problem. Mm -hmm. And that means the pressure of the problem has to do with the people still crying out to him. Mm -hmm. And how do you guys know that to be true? You know, I love the thought when, do I teach this now? I'll shut up. Never mind. Sunday's <laughs> method. Uh -oh. Keep going. <laughs> um, as time went on, Jesus felt increasingly the pressure of the problem and the need for extended effort. Like sheep, that silly creature, then the witch as none is more apt to wander, so neither any more unable to return. What they are to do, go out preaching and healing. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Earlier, we were told that Jesus' message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The disciples brought the same message Jesus preached, simply bringing, bringing it over a much broader area than Jesus could just do by himself. And we now, may also- What did the mm -hmm. disciples bring? What was their preaching? So John the, the Baptist disciples. preaching, 
repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what was the disciples' responsibility for preaching? The disciples brought the same message Jesus preached. They simply brought it in a much broader area, area more than Jesus could do by himself. And so his message was what? Wasn't repentance. I want to make sure that you guys see that. Mm-hmm. Because he went and his whole whole thing was to be, begin to meet the needs of the people. And so everywhere you're going, he's basically providing them with a better way of life to heal them from their affliction. It wasn't mean he never went to basically create a revolution, but mm. he literally allowed them to learn how to live in the place in which they were held in bondage. Mm. You get it? He, learned, mm-hmm. he taught them how to survive. He taught them how to overcome in the places. So he didn't come with repentance because John the Baptist came with repentance. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist was the forerunner, but when Jesus died for all sins on the cross, making sure mm-hmm. you understand that John the Baptist was before time. You guys got that, right? Mm-hmm. So John the Baptist did not, okay, cross over even to the new covenant. He was before the new covenant came forth because he was the mm-hmm. forerunner. Okay? We are in the new covenant where God literally has forgiven and washed away all sin. And so that's why we don't live in this guilty base, sin uh, place. We live in the freedom. And so when we come preaching and talking about the gospel, we're coming to talk about our convictions in where we have been and how God has been so merciful to us. Hopefully you got what I just said. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a merciful God. Yes. We're talking about a loving God. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a forgiving God. Mm-hmm. Not a God that says, repent, be baptized, <laughs> and change your way. Yeah, John because came with the, the law. Exactly. You fire and brim. He came with fire and brimstone, and all that came with that. And then Christ oh, came with grace and mercy and love and no. compassion. Yeah. Came with preaching something completely different, and that was a place of healing and restoration for the people. So mm-hmm. the people came because he didn't judge them. Mm-hmm. He, he left them right where they are. Exactly, yeah. accepted them for where they were and, and, and freed them. them from their affliction. Mm-hmm. With love. Mm-hmm. Completely different. So if you guys see the message, it's, it's about why he called you, because of what you represent. I, I'm not in guilt and shame. Because a lot of people walk in that guilt and shame in their lives, always believing that they're going to hell. Mm. And God is literally saying, hey, 
I send you forward as a message of redemption, to not only to redeem them, but to redeem the time and hour that those who are destined for the kingdom can come in. And how you're going to do it is what you got on the inside of you that God's going to use. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Mhm. Okay, want to go further? <clears throat> we may also surmise that they were to repeat many of the themes found in the Sermon on the Mount. Because that message tells what life in the kingdom of heaven would be like. Men will do much for a kingdom and nothing less than a kingdom. And that of heaven can buy men out of their sweet sins. There is no mention of them preaching in the synagogues, only being scourged in them. This was a house to house, open field, street preaching ministry. Oh, did you guys hear that? So we're supposed to have a house to house, open field, street. Uh, way of speak, talking to people, mm. closing stores, market, everywhere yeah. you go, you should be preaching the kingdom of God. <laughs> Department stores. Mm-hmm. Market. Who's mm-hmm. work? Praise be to God. Let's go further. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. The disciples both had a message to preach and a power to display. Wait In a this, they all yep. had a message to preach, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't give them a message on their own. Their message was based on what they seen. And mm-hmm. everything that they seen was the love and care he had for the people. And how do we know that? We know that through the love and care that he showed as he healed one after another and even fed fed those who were in need of food. Mm-hmm. That was the message. That's what they were preaching. They were not preaching the sin. They were preaching what they seen happened as a result of him moving throughout the regions he were in. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it Peter and John or Peter and yes. said, Money I have not, but what I do have you, but what I do have, I give to you. Mm-hmm. Be, be healed and stand up in Jesus' name. <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's what he brought forth. And, and, and the funny part about this, I kept saying to the Lord, how can we move, based on what Amanda said, we're top-quality faith. How do we move in our name? What do we do to move in our name? <laughs> and, 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 the, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you wow. must offer up what you have. Mm-hmm. Because what you have is going to change lives. And and then Mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, I'm trying to get to a place where I 
I can get and then pull you guys into this place. Like, show me how to get there, show me what to do, and show me how to stand up in this particular place. And the Lord literally said, you are already in the place, you are already standing, but I need you to stop trying to be perfect. Uh We're never going to be perfect. Exactly. And then he literally said to me, not only is it that I want you to stop trying to be perfect, but I want you to stop persecuting yourself because you don't look like what you think I need you to be. Amen. Amen. Because <laughs> if you think about top quality faith, testimonies of our faith, we're giving out our testimonies. It is our faith that we're giving out. And it's our journey through that process. Uh-huh. Every day we got a journey. Every day we're going through something. Every day we've been stuck in places. This is the stuff that we should be talking about. Uh-huh. And how the things that we overcome, to be able to be in a place where you're persecuted and you're beaten down, but yet you still stand. And you mm-hmm. still have a love relationship with the particular person because it is what God does. Mm-hmm. Because again, I take you back to the beginning of my message. <laughs> and in taking you back to the beginning of his message, he literally said to me to say to you guys is that fault finding we find. And how we deflect instead of reflecting on these things and allowing him to take these things to the next level. Don't you guys realize, and I said this before, you have anointing for the things that you've been through. And that anointing frees others. You have an anointing on you. And some things you have an anointing and you haven't even experienced it because it's Jesus that's living in you. Sometimes people say, I can't counsel somebody in this area because I haven't been through enough, but the Holy Spirit in you can counsel. Amen. Spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. As we testify about Jesus, that is the anointing that's going forward. Right. That is setting the people free. And they're sharing our testimony. And then God tells you, because the person in front of you has some things that just like you, and he told you the stuff that that's there. Yeah. I, I, I can recall being in front of somebody that's been molested. And God literally told me that. And I said, oh, my God, I am so sorry to hear this. And then I began to talk about crazy stuff in my household as a child. And the person said, how did you know? And I'm like, God told me. 
because he reveals these things as you share out who you are. And then you see inside the other individual that they're reaching out to him for freedom. Okay. I know we haven't, we're going to stop here. Yeah, we're coming up on 10. And the only reason we're going to stop here because Michael have to get home before the rain starts. And he's on a bicycle and he's a little concerned about getting home. So, but I know we got enough, you know, you guys got more than enough here Mm -hmm. to really take the opportunity to look at what he's saying because all he's literally saying to you, and let me see if he's saying anything else. (laughs) Give me a second. Lord, did I say everything that you had asked of me to say? He said, you have done your job. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He said, trust that they heard and was refreshed by the word. And so, Paul, you can close us out. Thank you, Father God, for this spiritually being lifted in Bible study. Blinders taken off, veils removed, doors opened. Understanding my faith. We all have a story, Father God, and and thank you for allowing us and reminding us it's okay to share it. Because through sharing, we'll help others as you have helped and blessed us. Father Father God, moving forward, we thank you, Father God, for this night, this moment, the message for the participants, for the members on this call, Brother Mike being, Michael being present in Bible study. And as we proceed on through this week, I know they call it Thanksgiving, but every day is Thanksgiving, Father God. Just like every day is a birthday, you have blessed us to see another day. Every day is a birthday. We thank you, Father God, to continue to strengthen each and every one of us, to let it resonate through us, that we may be a beaker to others. And when they're struggling, we help to give them a hand up and a shoulder to lean on. We thank you, Father God, and forever give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Hey, you guys, I want to say one thing that the Holy Spirit wanted me to say to you guys. Can you guys hear me? Yes. I want to say one thing to each one of you guys. The Holy Spirit says, the funny part about it is what you're trying to hide, 
Ninety percent of the time, it is already seen. Yeah, seen. Seen by others. So you're trying uh-huh. to hide it, and people who are contending with the same thing recognize you anyway. So why are you trying to hide it? Give it to God so He can use it. Uh-huh. Amen. That's so true. Well, how could you try to hide it if you don't think nobody knows about it? But it's the same. Somebody walks up to you and say, I know you used to be this, right? And you sit back like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so 90% of the time, they see it anyway. Uh-huh. And so they see it because the enemy constantly picks on you in that area. So they see it anyway. So you might as well let God use it for his good. Okay. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this. Thank you.